All right, trip around Saturn, uh, EP5, Just Josh and Josh, how we doing? Good. I'm ready for my I'm ready for my trip around Saturn, but sweet. <laughs> hell yeah. It's a ride. Uh anyway, let's kind of get into what you do, what you've done, and who you are. Um, let's talk about your wrestling career. Actually, just kind of introduce yourself first. Uh, my name is Josh Elber. I'm Cade's brother-in-law. Right. <laughs> um, That's what he's the most well known for. He's gonna say we paid him to yeah. come out. <laughs> I'm I'm Reed, I'm Reed's husband. Uh, no, nah, but I was born and raised in Freeport. Went to school in uh, Dakota. Um, obviously, strong wrestling tradition there. Um, and within that wrestling tradition is the Elber family wrestling tradition, which is kind of what I would consider the the founders or right up there toward the top of the founders of Dakota wrestling. And, um, just come from a long line of really successful wrestlers. My dad and, um, two of my uncles and my cousin were all state champions before me. And then, um, so I grew up really, you know, my dad's probably the most serious wrestling guy out of, out of everyone. And, um, just grew up really serious about wrestling and we trained hard and uh, my dad trained a lot of kids that went on to wrestle division one and and uh division two and division three and uh i went on to wrestle division one at university of northern iowa um i was a four-time state champ in high school as number one ranked in the country in high school coming out at my weight and uh ended up being a a four-time um ncaa qualifier in college uh i think i had probably i think i was like 110 and 30 something college career record um had a really good career but you know kind of fell short of what i envisioned for myself and um you know i think that's what a really a big part of what makes me who i am today i'm actually it was hard for me to kind of accept that i didn't reach where i wanted to get to in college but um now it motivates me and i, I started my own youth club and um it's a big factor in that and in trying to help kids not feel kind of the falling short that I felt mm -hmm. um so I run a youth club here in Freeport and uh we go we're, we're it's pretty intense it's for the more dedicated elite kids we go about 10 months out of the year and um I really enjoy doing that and then you know that's what I love and then to pay the bills um my dad and I run a small excavation firm we do just real small stuff demolition septic systems things like that so quick Thanks, background man. Yeah, we, yeah, we phased out of landscape. <laughs> so you went 182 and 0 in high school. For those that don't know, four times state champ. Uh, you wrestled your whole life. Once you were done with wrestling, did you ever have a moment where you were like struggling to have your identity because so long, um, wrestling was your identity? Or I know you're also very strong in your faith. Was that what you wanted to prioritize after wrestling was done, or did you kind of you wanted to make faith first, wrestling sec, family second, wrestling third? Yeah, I mean, I look at it like less like priorities and more like um, like faith is, you know, being a believer is the most important thing in my life. And I want my wrestling to still be centered around, you know, coaching in a godly manner, like, you know, not necessarily like separating them, but like just trying to permeate my faith through everything I do. And I don't do a great job of it. I I could do a lot better, but that's the goal, at least, you know, so. Um, but yeah, no, I struggled when wrestling was over for me. It didn't end how I wanted. And, you know, I had to become a man kind of, and it was another evolution for me, what to do next. And, you know, I, I struggled with it. I was depressed and everything else, but, um, I learned a lot and, um, I don't really have any regrets. I, I'm happy where I'm at and what it's taught me and everything else. So <clears throat> kind of backpedaling a little bit, um, what was your uh, outlook on wrestling as you were like kind of approaching, you know, your junior, senior year, you're undefeated and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you to keep yeah. this, you know, record alive as you're finishing up your high school career. So like kind of run us through what was going through your mind there. Um, You know, it was crazy. Like I felt a lot more pressure in college to produced than I did in high school for some reason you know I've had that ask me a lot like how that it must have been crazy pressure and everything and I just never I don't know I don't know if I just like was too naive or what I never really thought about it and the only time that I really remember um where it kind of got to me was my senior year right before the state finals um I was in the tunnel and I just like was crying because I was just like it was the first time I ever felt that weight of like pressure because I kind of had a vision that I was gonna get pinned 
because it was like <laughs> I was like in my head I was like of course I'm gonna get like I'm gonna get pinned there's no way I'm gonna pull this off and go undefeated my whole career you know yeah so it was just like you know you get weird thoughts like that and then I had like a very realistic vision of me getting pinned and I was like oh great this is gonna happen so <laughs> that's the one time that's the one time where it like yeah it got to me but I was still be able I was just like in high school I was just far better than I was at a very high level you know so even under that pressure I could even when if I didn't compete that well I was just trained so well and had put so much in that it didn't really matter you know what was that kid's name again Casey Brown from Cole City City, did he take you down at the beginning of that match no so that my junior year I wrestled in the finals and he took me down and reversed me. I think oh, I, I ended up, okay. I still majored him, but I remember yeah. like, yeah, I was, I was very upset. I remember that. his cover photo on Twitter was like you on your back at one point or something like that. Like he was reversing you and you guys were in a scramble. Yeah. And he put that well, you know, you know how it goes like in wrestling, you can screenshot like almost any right. instance and it's going to look like you're like pinning a guy. So, yeah. yeah. See, I... So, you know, you, you finish your high school career and then you're moving on to you and I, coming out as, you know, the number one uh, ranked wrestler, your weight, like going into you and I, when you were kind of going in, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you and I, I mean, you and I was a good program, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like where it was at when you finished there. Yeah. But you were kind of like following Joe Colon's, uh, you know, kind of trying to fill his shoes yeah. and like being like the golden boy coming in was, I mean, that had to be a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, it was. And I pride myself, like, you know, I'm really proud of like um, kind of my, the role I played because coach Doug Schwab, who I is like a second father to me. And he was at the time he was only in like his fourth year. So he was starting to build the program and, you know, they, they told me, and it was, you know, it was like, they were counting on me to be the catalyst for getting them into the top 10, you know, and it wasn't just me. Like he brought in a great recruiting class with me in the class, the class, but the next year after me was the number one recruiting class in the nation. Mm-hmm. So I got to play a big role in, in the, what we did. Um, but you know, that also haunts me a little bit too, cause I didn't produce as much as was probably projected in the end, you know? Yeah. So. I, th- I just think it's awesome what Doug Schwab had done for that program. And I feel like he's starting to get a lot more love now than he was initially with everything that was taking place but I feel like he's finally getting the recognition that he's always deserved. That dude's a great coach. Obviously you can explain first. I mean, yeah. And like most like casual fans don't understand at the division one level, like if he had the full funding and everything else that like a lot of these big 10 coaches have, like he would, I mean, I, I honestly believe he's like a top three coach in NCAA wrestling, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's got to like, he's not getting a lot of the high recruits that other schools are getting and he's developing guys and yeah. he he's just got an uphill battle all the time, you know? Yeah. And it shows your belief in him. I mean, coming out of high school, you had offers to go, you know, all these other places and you chose Cedar Falls, Iowa in the middle of nowhere, you know, like a, not the most fun college experience, probably like you go to bigger schools and probably have more yeah. fun and, you know, bigger wrestling opportunities. But I mean, that just kind of says a lot about Doug. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what did it for me was like, because I was like, you know, getting recruited by Minnesota and Northwestern, some of the big 10, you know, and that's kind of the dream for most people. But they came to my coach Schwab and his brother, Mark Schwab, came to my house. And I just remember them saying, like, you know, we were like, well, who else is around there? Like, who else are you trying to get at the weight? And they're like, we're not trying to get anyone else. You're our guy. And it was like from day one, it was like, oh, dude, these like you have somebody believe in you like that. It's yeah. like, dude, I don't care if I have to go to the middle of like Montana. Let's go, you know, wherever <laughs> I, I was committed not to you and I, I was committed to Doug Schwab. You know, once I knew he had that kind of belief in me, it was like, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, you know. Okay. And on a side note, um, do you think it's kind of crazy that as the number one guy ranked in your class coming out of high school, you didn't have bigger offers? Yeah, I mean, I always did, like, I always did really well nationally. Um, You know, I got second at Super 32, which is probably the toughest high school tournament. And I was a Fargo All-American and things like that. But um, it just, it was a little bit, um, just the way things land. Some schools had already had guys at that weight or whatever, you know, or just, 
some of those coaches are looking for a certain style and maybe I didn't fit that style. You know, I was never like athletically gifted or like, you know, if they were to do like a combine, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rank <laughs> off the charts or anything, you know, I'm just, but I'm just always like, I just hold position and I'm a grinder. And so, you know, you just, I don't know. I don't know what other coaches are looking for in what in the recruits, but I got my fair share of <clears throat> recruiting, but yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't like a, a super high priority. I'd say, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you were you were committed to UNI pretty quick, though. I mean, so, like, there was a lot of opportunity, I feel like, to come, but it just never got there because you – I mean, you were already Team Doug Schwab. Yeah, I can't – I think – I can't remember if I got second at Super 32 after I committed or before, but I remember I got a lot of letters after that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't really care. Like, right. once I met Doug, it was like I don't even want to talk to anyone else, so yeah. – how do you think NIL is going to play a role for all these, like, for for example, you and I versus a Penn State or a Minnesota or an Iowa or everything else where they're getting crazy deals and these colleges that are low market, I mean, how are they going to get kids to come there? Dude, it's, it's the rich are going to get richer. Yeah. Like, there's just no way that the small schools are going to be able to compete because, like, Penn State in their wrestling club, which I know, like, this is into the weeds and most non-wrestling fans won't understand, but, like, um, you know, like consider like Alabama football, they have like a booster club mm-hmm. and it's probably got insane amount, you know, I don't know, like 80 million or whatever, probably, but like wrestling's the same way. It's your wrestling club, which is different than the university. And I know they have like the last time it was public, it was like 7 million in their account. So, you know, they're going to find a way to filter yeah. that to guys. And it's, it, there's just nothing that can be done. Like it's, it's over at that point, pretty much, you know, um, my take, and I think, you know, this is just my opinion, like wrestling versus other sports is going to be different because, A, wrestling is only – is there 10 weight classes in college? Yeah. So, like, if I'm a football player, basketball player, whatever, I can go to these schools, you know, get money in, like, you know, especially football. Like, I don't have to – there's, a you know, a million positions. Like, I don't have to be one of 10. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's 20-something spots on the field. And I would yeah. say in a lot of other sports, um, a lot of athletes go to college to like say like, oh, I get to wear Alabama across my chest. Might never see the field. Yeah. But in wrestling, it does not seem to me like guys are going to put, you know, just go through the grind of going to wrestling every single day for, you know, eight months um, yeah. just to say like, oh, I go here and, you know, I'm going to get this money. But some people might, but that's just like my opinion is that wrestling's gonna no, be that's a, a bit more difficult. That's a great point because like you said, there's only ten weight class. So there might be like an initial influx where they get a bunch of guys in the room, but then once the guys like are looking around, they're like transfer portal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like, like how am I gonna sucks. get in the lineup? And then yeah, they'll they'll eventually filter back into the yeah. other schools. That's what sucks too, is like the transfer portal right now in all college NCAA division one sports is just insane. Everyone's left and right going to different places, taking better deals and whatnot. And it's how are they going to start regulating this stuff? And I, I mean, I don't have great ideas about it, I guess. But what if they make, I guess, a rule if if you graduate before your degree, then you get to collect that money, and if you don't, then you you don't get to collect. I don't know, but it seems like they need to do something to to try to get a handle on it, just because it's insane right now. Kids are just it's it's like a professional sport now. I mean, it always has been, but now it's now you're getting paid for everything, so they're like signing deals with these schools to go there. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, it's it. I, I I will say though, I still think that there's a value to like being homegrown or like you know you brought them in and recruited them and you didn't like pay these guys like that. Just like the unity of the team and stuff. Like I still mm-hmm. think there's a lot of power to that. You know, oh, like I think I just watching the college football playoff. Like Texas was like the biggest NOI. They had like the most money spent on NOI. And I think Washington was not even close to that, you know, mm-hmm. but they just had like that core group that had been together for a long time. Yeah, and I think it pays dividends in the end, you know, Penix was in the league or NCA for seven years or something like that. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't even like that. I mean, he was a transfer, but he was right. there for, yeah. you know, he was there for like three years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think he was in college total for like six, seven years. Or yeah. Something like I think that. you're right. Which, but yeah, like Josh, to your point, I mean, I think that separates the individuals versus like the team guys. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, you know, if I come here and I want to play for X, Y, Z and like, I'm going to stay here and, you know, like be a part of that core group um, versus guys that are just trying to come in and make some money. Like, I, I, yeah. I mean, that. like they're like mercenaries, you know, pretty much. 
And I, I think the homegrown battle, uh, like, you know, soldiers are better, but I, I think there's a time and place for transferring too. Like if I remember the one year, like there was rumors that Doug was going to try to get the Wisconsin job and they wanted him. And it was like, dude, I, dude, I had my bag packed. I was like, please let's go. Like a big 10 hours away from home. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then like Doug came around to all our houses. Like, I just want you guys to know I'm not taking the job. And I was like, damn. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, Coach, I already have my bag packs. Like, I go where you go. Like, I'm committed to you. So yeah. I think yeah. that's an all right, all right thing too. You know, that says a lot about Doug. Yeah, that's sick. I feel like, um, which kind of leads us in our next stuff though. Um, faith. Kind of want to talk about that a little bit with you. And that's something that Doug was strong in. I'm sure he had a big influence on yours, along with Tony, Coach Pete, and everybody else that you know we grew up with were coached under and whatnot, but how's your faith helped you along the way in wrestling um, or just everything all around it, I guess? Cause I mean, it's a lot bigger than wrestling. I mean, yeah. it, it helps and it helps for sure, but just, your daily uh, life, I mean, your business yeah. practices, your, your being a husband, being a father, you know, I, I, I strongly believe in this is a biblical that, you know, we have the Holy spirit living within us when we're born again. And, um, I just think that having the Holy Spirit, it just, it, it gives me peace and it allows me to, cause we all feel where, you know, I feel like our flesh and the demonic realm are constantly peppering us and trying to draw us away and trying to do it, make us do things we don't want to do. You know, um, there's like, Paul talks about like the things I don't want to do, I continue to do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's how I feel. You know, there's just all these like, you know, you can think about how you eat. Like, I don't, I want to eat healthy, but then you're at the gas station at noon, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, why do I do this? You know, it's the yeah. same way with like temptation and sin and everything else. It's like, we all, you know, I want to be good and I want to be godly and righteous, but yet I'm always being tugged on. And I just feel like, um, having that Holy spirit and that relationship. And again, I'm, do I don't do near a good enough job as I can, but when I'm trying to be, a godly man and a godly father and everything else it allows me to overcome those temptations and that's what gives you a fulfilling life you know and gives you discipline and everything else and in the end it gives you peace mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's it well it's like you kind of what you're talking about it's like the right things are the hard things to do mm-hmm. it's in, that's in everything you know it's like if you want to no matter what you're doing if you want to do a good job you're going out of your way to you know be yeah. um more tedious in your work or you know like you said say like instead of running late grabbing food at mcdonald's it's getting up early making breakfast you know it's it's just everything you do the hard thing is usually the right thing yeah that sucks mm-hmm. yeah and you know that's how you yeah like i mean i hate i've been working out lately again and like i hate the rower and it's like if you hate it if you hate it then that's probably a good sign you should get on it you know hold on i got like if i Go ahead. I got to talk. Okay. So, you know, Andrew Huberman. Yeah. Yeah. Like coolest dude in the world. Um, yeah, he's off. He was talking to Goggins on his podcast and there was like new, like neuroscience coming out about this thing in our brains. And there's two of them. I think there's like one on each side and it's called the mid singular cortex. And um, so what it does or how it reacts is anytime that you do something that you do not want to do, but you still do it anyways, it grows. And anytime, but like if I do, so, okay, so like cold plunge is kind of the example he used. If I hate the cold plunge and I still get in it, it like my mid singular cortex grows. If I don't mind the cold plunge and I get in it, it does not grow. So it like is, mm-hmm. to me, it's an insane thing because like it is your neuroscience and your physical, your physiology like where they meet and it's yeah. like if i if i don't mind this thing it's i'm not growing and if you don't do things where like you know you push yourself you know kind of to get out of your box it starts shrinking and one thing that they found in people that live like you know 90 plus or whatever is that a lot of these people um their mid singular cortex is like a way above average so it's like he said it's not just like your willpower but also like he kind of coined the term your will to live. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just one of the most fascinating things I've ever heard. In my life. No, I mean, I'm, I'm bought in on that. Like that's the first I'm hearing of it, but I'm bought in hundred percent because I've felt it in my own life. Like, you know, like when I first started lifting again, I was like, it was a, like struggle to get myself to do it every day. And then I did it for a month and now it's like, 
I don't like not going in, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like every day trying to find some time to get into the gym. So, and, and it's like, same with eating healthy. Like, you know how, like the first two weeks is like hell. Mm-hmm. And then after you do it for a while, you're like, enjoy eating healthy. You don't like, then yeah. you start eating crap and you, you're like, oh, this sucks. You know, exactly. You avoid being late and having to grab McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, you just almost have to trick yourself into liking the things that like suck, like going to the gym. I mean, what are the 21 days of form a habit? You go 21 days in a row, it's going to suck for 20 days. That 21st day, you're like, all right, I I think I can do this now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I know I've done that, like, you know, Kate, I know you've tried it a couple of times, but to fast and like the first day of fasting is really hard. But like day, like you get through like half of day two and it gets easy. And day three is actually the easiest day for me. Yeah, I've yeah. noticed that too. I agree. Whenever I fast, it's like the first two days are the toughest. You want to eat, and then day three, you're like, "Shit, this isn't that bad." Like, just drink a lot of water and yeah, feel good. Honestly, you start feeling good. I love I doing, that's that's one thing I love doing is like I love fasting, or I love when like you go like work all day, even though it sucks that you're working all day. Like, just enjoying like that first bite of food or taking off your work boots like you can only do that you can only enjoy enjoy those little things if you do something that you don't want to do and that's like just pure dopamine in your brain i, I love that yeah, yeah like it, you know i i haven't drank in a while but like you know beer only like it doesn't taste good or like you don't enjoy it if you do it every day you know right. and then it's but like if you just like man i worked hard like i haven't drank in like a week and it was hot today <laughs> you got to go in that course banquet yeah it's like i earned it you know and then it's like you can actually enjoy it you know, yeah. or whatever it is that your vice is, I guess. But yeah, if you can like discipline yourself for a little bit, it makes it taste better. Yeah, definitely. It's like a good old camel crush, baby. I thought about that act the other day, man. I was just sitting here reminiscing. I did something hard. I was like, oh, I deserve this. <laughs> Shovel this driveway yeah, or something like that. Like, He's like, I need to sit. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to grow my what you call it a mid center quartet. Yeah, I don't know if that's how that works, but um so we kind of talked about your dad a little bit, but I I kind of wanted to bring him up again. Um I mean, because I think not just for you, but for that guy, like he's had an impact on a lot of people's lives. Um and my favorite thing about your dad is no matter who you are like he will get you to believe in yourself and cause like, cause he believes in you yeah. no matter what. He won't let you not believe in yourself. And it's like the most insane. Like when I was, I just, a lot of, honestly, a lot of the reason that I like wrestled was because of Tony, because like when I was younger, like I didn't enjoy it, but like Tony was the coach and like he made it bearable. And then um, when I was a freshman and I was like wrestling varsity and getting my ass beat by every ranked dude in the country it was insane yeah you did have you did have a pretty terrible <laughs> yeah it was it was insane it was like i couldn't it was first match it, freshman year Devonte mahomes yeah, technically third third but yeah. um <laughs> yeah it was just rough but it was like going into that i'm at josh's house like the week before and tony's giving me a game plan on how to wrestle this guy <laughs> and he like and i swear tony said and he's like if you do this he's like i think you got a chance it's like tony Ray, like, no way in hell I was, there's no like like i <laughs> I, would, I would, this is like this is insane like why are we even going over this right now like you're, you're wasting your breath like this is not gonna end well but then he's like just kind of show me some things show me some things and then i'm like you know what like maybe maybe like i, I didn't believe in myself as much as tony did but i was like maybe i won't you know just get my ass beat which oh, i did oh but... i can catch this guy i think tony's on to something here but it, he's just like anything you do i mean I've worked with him a few times uh, just in, you know, conversation or, you know, just hanging out with him. Like he's such a positive guy. I've really never seen him in too bad a spirit. So uh, that's just my own personal thing. I mean, like if you want to yeah. you know, touch on some more, but he's just, no, I mean, he's a, he's a one of one. Yeah, he is for sure. And like, we talk about like, you know, he's the one that got me started my faith and he, that's his main goal in life is to get his family involved in, in the faith and everything. And, you know, there's, we talk about like the special gift of faith and that's what he, dude, he has it. Like he just like, it's like almost delusional. Like what he, <laughs> the faith he has in people, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. you said, like there's no way you were going to beat that guy, but like <laughs> that was not him BSing you. Like he probably no. thought like, Hey, there's like, <laughs> give the 
game plan. Like that's just how he is. Like he just has so much like belief. So yeah, no. Growing up, him training me, and I know we might get to it today or not, but you know, I know you guys wanted to talk about like youth sports and some things like that. But like, it's so important to have a parent that isn't psychotic training you, and also a parent that you know it goes two ways. You have like the psychotic parents that don't know anything, and they're just like burn you out. And then there's the parents that like don't have the time for you and are selfish and like my I've just been so blessed that my dad was like all his time was dedicated to me and he knew like number one he had knowledge of wrestling like he's actually way beyond like he's just very very knowledgeable about wrestling and then the mental game and everything else even without him like it's not like he even trained like he's not like he's like a psychologist type guy but he just has it I guess he like a lot of things he's done that I don't even know if he did them on purpose but they were good you know (laughs) so having a father like that and then just like he was hard on me and we trained hard and I sacrificed a lot and missed time with friends and everything else. But I was never like bitter toward him. You know, it was like a good mix. Like he's hard on you, but he is also, and you guys know this, like he can be hard on you, but he can also praise you like mm-hmm. as equally as much, you know, if not more. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I've taken that into my coaching career and I tried to like, you got, like I talk about like, you got to have like the soft like hand of a mother, but also like the firm grip of a father. Like, mm-hmm. You got to get on him, but then you got to give him a hug, you know? So, that's a good way to put it. Um, he, go ahead. I was just going to ask the question because, um, you know, you're talking about your dad and your faith. And, like, for you guys, I'm pretty, you don't go to church, correct? Like, like, no. Like a, so, I, I just want to touch on maybe before we move on is like, how do you guys practice your faith? Um, and, like, you know, how do you like that versus like going to like an organized church? Yeah, I don't like we don't necessarily like have anything. If we found like a church that we thought was like aligned with us, we would go. It's not like we mm-hmm. have like a yeah. But, um, I guess we just haven't had that yet. But um, he dude, he he's texting me and my sisters and like I mean, there's like a family group chat and he's like just all day long texting us like verses and like it's just every day all day like that's just and when we get together as a family like. It's not like it's a, like he's like hammering it on us, but it's just like, you know, that's how life like we are. And at the end of the day, it's it, this life is about God and, and Jesus and our relationship with him. So he tries to incorporate that and everything. And we like just, you know, we we read as a family and things like that and pray as a family and talk about it as a family. And that's how we try to grow it, I guess. Yeah. If you want to see that dude light up, tell him you're like coming to your faith. That's like Tony. Yeah. Oh, dude. If you did, it's like, yes, yeah. that's something you should joke about, though. I'm not joking about it. <laughs> I know. But I'm yeah. saying, like, you should just go up there. Like, oh, yeah. You don't go up there. Like, I do. Okay. <laughs> Tony, I think I'll go to my face. And then I was like, I gotcha. It's not a joke. No, but if, like, if you do, you know, if you are coming around to that or that uh, you're at that point in your life or whatever's happened, or like, that's a guy that probably pops. Oh, boy. You froze a little bit, Josh. What'd you say? I was just saying, like, yeah, I mean, if, if you're at that point in your life or something happened and it's you feel like he's the first one you think of, like, I got to go talk to Tony about this because, yeah. you know, he's – yeah. As exciting as he gets for winning wrestling matches, it's, like, ten times that. Yeah. For, well, he, like, he goes all in for you right away. Like, he, like, tries to give you, like, a template, like, to kind of, like, follow. And he, dude, he's so excited for you and it makes you more – I guess it just makes you, like, want to do better and, like, be a better person right away. You, like, almost need to check in with him, though. Because, like, shit starts to wear off. <laughs> so you got to, like, keep checking in with him to build that back up. Like, I should start talking no, to him. I've been reading. Like, a, a brother is born for times of adversity. Like, a brother to, like, encourage you. And, mm-hmm. like, that's – he's a brother in, in the faith, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been reading a little bit. And there's definitely some times where I'm just very confused. And I do not know what they're talking about. So I might need to check in with Tony and send him some verses. Oh, dude, he's a scholar. <laughs> you – you won't like mention something that he hasn't read or whatever. Like he, and he, he make sure you have time. Cause he'll talk to you all day about it. I've heard him speak in tongues before. So like talking, <laughs> <laughs> so talking about your dad, like how is, I mean, so uh, Josh is um, my nephew's father. So like, how is it, you know, like having a kid and like, I know, um, you know, when we got pregnant, there was some like, Oh, do I hope it's a boy? Do I not hope it's a boy? I mean, some of that pressure and I guess just like, you know, give us a little bit of insight right there. Oh man. I'm, I'm so like, 
stressed out about it. Like, I'm, I mean, I get stressed out about it because, yeah, before we knew what we were having, I always was like, I was like, I want to have three daughters and no sons because I don't <laughs> of like training my kid, you know, but then Gray came and that went away. But I, I'm definitely like worried about him because I don't want people to and it's going to happen. But like, you know, the success I had in wrestling, like it's hard for kids to follow like successful fathers. And I don't want him to have to like feel that pressure, but I'm going to do my I've learned so much. Like if I can just relay what I've learned from my coaches and all the experience I've had, like he'll be fine. But yeah, it it does worry me, you know, and also like you don't want to force your kid into wrestling. You know, you want him to do what he loves, but I'm definitely going to try to manipulate him without knowing it, that I'm doing it. <laughs> like, you know, you can, like make people love things without even know, like, especially, oh, yeah. kids, you know, oh yeah, I'm around it. You know, just if he's around it all the time, he's most likely going to like it, you know, mm-hmm. so which he is now. Little things I mean... like, yeah. So, I mean, that's with, yeah, what's anything like with your, your dad's like your best friend growing up. Like you, you look up to him no matter what, if he's doing good or bad, you're going to try to somewhat follow in his footsteps and whatever you, you're doing at that time is what he likes to do at the time. I mean, just, well, you're, you yeah. <laughs> know, <laughs> but my dad, <laughs> you like guitar? <laughs> no, but Mike, like hung with my dad and like, that's what he liked to do. So that's what I did, but you just. I feel like Gray, he's gonna inevitably be a good wrestler. There's it's in his DNA. And like you've yeah. seen what like Doug has done with his kids. Um yeah. and I'm assuming that's kind of the path that you wanna follow. My wife Reed uh makes fun of me because like I'm so strategic about how I'm bringing him up. And she's like, dude, he's and I'm like, like I like I love his birthday. He's got a good wrestling birthday. And then <laughs> like, you know, we're I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. What's nine months from now? Like, we got to plan this out so they have a good wrestling birthday. <laughs> like, you at that age that. where, where like, it would be easy to hold them back if you need to? Like, is he in that? He's part? already. Oh, well, I mean, I already started working on Reed about redshirting him, but yeah, he <laughs> already got a good birthday. So if I redshirt him, he'll be extra old, which um, that's my plan. But that'll work out. I mean, Speaking I like got of... him in already, and you know, just things at home. Like, I try. We got. I bought him a pull-up bar for Christmas. So I get him up there and try to get like three sets of three out of him and things like that. Speaking of gravy, it's kind of shifting to youth sports. Are you excited for his future in youth sports? Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, like it scares me and I'm excited for him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, like what scares me is I don't want, well, one thing that scares me is I don't want, I see some fathers that go about it wrong and then their relationship with their kid isn't as strong as it could be when they're older. Mm. So it's like, I want to really like, even though I want to train him and I want him to be successful and everything else, like at the end of the day, like my relationship with him is the most important thing. So that's what's kind of makes you nervous as a dad and like coaching the way I coach, just trying to balance that to where I can push him. But also at the end of the day, like, you know, he's my, my little buddy. So mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about that, but I'm at the end of the day, I know, I know I myself and I know I'm going to be able to handle it and yeah. we're going to end up being stronger, you know? Yeah. How nervous are you going to be if he's say seventh grade, five, seven, 140 pounds? Nervous it's... that he's going to be, but <laughs> no, just that he's, he's going to be taller than five, six. <laughs> no, dude. I hope he is. I hope in like <laughs> he's like looking down at me and read. That'd be awesome. I want some, <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like to have height in the family. Yeah, that'd be my, funny. that's what I said. Oh, like five seven topped out. <laughs> I I did hear it's on like the mother's side that you like absorb most of the genes. So Dean's uh Dean's kind of tall. You're kind of tall. I mean, yeah, could happen. I got Fred. I mean, I love it. I hope he, I hope he's taller than me. I love it. That would be funny. I hope my kids are taller than me too. That's so he's of, so if you, like kind of. I mean, Josh, you were a pretty small kid, so you were kind of like pigeonholed into wrestling. Not only yeah. wrestling, people forget freshman uh, football player oh that's true um true. but seventh grade baseball too baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um right field or no left out left out yeah, hell yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> hey he was the first uh, pitcher i was second base i was second base because we only had like nine kids on the team so they had to put me on. so if he's like i mean no matter what his size is but especially you know if he's a little bit bigger um like, how do you feel about kids being pro one sport, you know, 12 months out of the year from the age of 
10 years old or something like that. Yeah, like, spe- like specialization. It's yeah. like, you know, that's, that's like the word you hear so much now. And like, there's still like a lot of like people, I always, it just bothers me so much. You'll see, they'll, it'll be like um, Christian McCaffrey or like LeBron James. And they're like, see, they played three sports when they were kids. Don't specialize your kids. Like, dude, you're talking about like the, like, these are freak athletes. The like, best, the best. You know, they hundred pounds as freshmen, you know? Right. So like, I'm not pro specialization, but I'm also not like, I think kind of how I think about it is, like when they're young, let them do a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, so they're like eight or nine years old. Like let them do everything they want. Flag football. I mean, my son's not gonna play basketball, but flag <laughs> football. You know, swim, tumbling, everything. You know, and then just you have to, as they get older, and they start to understand what it takes to be successful. You have to be like, hey, you're gonna have to give up one thing. You know, little by little, give up a sport, give up a sport until you know. Mm-hmm. I think when freshman year, it's like you should be getting pretty close to knowing like what your sport right. is. And Okay. Now we need to, to get in and dial in on this. And I think <laughs> if they're, if they're big enough, like I think you can still be very, very successful wrestling and playing football, just the mm-hmm. way the season stuff. But like, there's some sports that just aren't complimentary of each other and you can't do yeah. them, you know? Yeah. But I also like, you know, I have some kids in my club that are doing multiple sports and it's like, that's fine with me. You can do multiple sports, but it's like, it can't be, when it's baseball season, I only play baseball. And when it's wrestling season, it's, no, you have to be doing baseball and wrestling at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. you have you have to be at wrestling practice at three thirty, and then baseball practice at five thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like that's the problem. I I can't stand that people use that as an excuse to like be lazy. I feel like and it's like, yeah. no, if you want to be multiple sport, that doesn't mean you take breaks. It means right. you're doing multiple things at the same time. Especially you know? elite at multiple. I was gonna sports. say, if you want to be, a, there's a difference between like. I am a wrestler. Like for me, I was a baseball player, but I wrestled. Like if anybody was ever like, "Hey, you're a wrestler," I was like, "No." Like my friends are wrestlers because they are way better wrestlers, and like that is what they um like as an individual. That is who they are. Yeah. I was like, I'm a baseball player that wrestles. Well, yeah, that's what you do year round. Like you, if you're if you're a wrestler, if you're a basketball player, football player, that's your sport. That's your sport that you're pretty much doing year round. If you want to be elite at it. And then you do other sports pretty much for pure like joy and fun mm-hmm. being with your buddies. But you're you're doing a sport that you are usually the best at and what you want to make the most out of in the long run. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's fun to do multiple sports, but like I, I always just wrestled. I, I played football and baseball my senior year, but um, I was wrestling the whole time I was doing that, yeah. wrestling the summer. And that was more leisure. Yeah, and it was just fun. Like it was like one last ride, I guess. And I had a great time in all of them, but that was – Yeah, and it – depends like it you know if you want to be a three-sport athlete and you want to be like maybe a state qualifier in all three or whatever it is it's like you just have to adjust your goals accordingly you know yeah, it's like yeah, don't yeah. tell me don't tell me you want to get to the nba and you play four sport you yeah. know mm-hmm. play four like dude you're not like change your goals you're not made to the nba you know what right, i'm saying yeah. so mm. like it's play multiple sports but like and, and wrestling's getting to the point where it's getting so competitive that like if you want to be a state champion like especially if you're smaller like under 138 pounds like it's going to be hard for you to play two sports yeah you know that's the reality like Mm -hmm. but if you're okay getting fifth or sixth at state then you know that's fine yeah Mm -hmm. and that's the bad thing about wrestling is like you can be a football baseball player you can be a football basketball player and a lot of the workouts a lot of the training compounds on each other and i'm not saying it doesn't for wrestling, but all those other sports are get bigger, get yeah. bigger, get bigger. And wrestling is you have to, you know, cap your size at a certain amount because unless, you know, you're going to be a freak mm. and just continuously yeah. move up and still uh, dominate. Cool. But that just doesn't happen that often. And in wrestling, like usually after you are done practicing wrestling, you don't want to do anything else. So it's yeah. kind of hard to work on stuff outside of just training for. Yeah, wrestling's definitely a yeah, unique I mean, sport. There, there's no yeah, conditioning I, like there is wrestling conditioning. You know, gymnastics, I think, is the same way. Like, those right. girls, like, the Olympic gymnasts are young. Mm-hmm. But, like, they can't be doing a lot. Like, they have to be get specialized pretty early. Yeah. You know? Would and you say that's sim- like, Sorry, Would you ahead. say it's similar? Like, you know how at some of these open tournaments where, like, high school seniors will come out and beat, like, NCAA, like, top guys or, like, 
I don't want to say world team members, but guys that are like on the senior circuit, mm-hmm. would you say that's somewhat similar to like what you just kind of brought up with gymnastics? Like in wrestling, you almost peak at like that weirder, like young age versus other sports. Yeah. I think it's older than gymnastics. I think you peak in gymnastics. So like, I don't know. I'm just guessing like probably 16 to 18. Yeah. 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 21 to 24. Mm-hmm. But like those, like the youth level is getting so good in high school level and wrestling that it's, I hate to say it, but it's like even more reason you have to specialize younger because these kids are like freaks so young that it's like, if you want to keep up, it's, there's, you know, it's such a high level at such a young age that, you have to specialize pretty young, you know? Okay. It seems like, cause this is something I was just looking at today. So this is the lowest year for high school boys sports since 2007. So in 2024, but it's, it's almost as if all these like AAU sports, IKWF, like all these sports that are outside your actual like school are getting, becoming more popular, but it's taken away from actual like school mandated events and whatnot. Do you think it's just because parents are pushing, like they want their kids to be the best at everything and they're not overstepping, but they, they are trying to specialize younger. Like these elite clubs. Yeah. I think because when COVID hit, all the schools shut down mm. and like school, like, you know, school sports shut down. And like, I mean, privately in my club, we never shut. Well, they lost people to those clubs during COVID because mm. a lot of, like the club stuff stayed open mm-hmm. and then now people are like get a taste of it and they don't want to go back right. as part of it you know and like yeah i mean i see it in wrestling like just the the private clubs are starting over overwhelm the like local clubs because it's just it's just if you want to be competitive that's where you got to be you know mm-hmm. so. and that's where you're going to get exposure i mean you're not going to get exposure to wrestling for your high school team which it kind of especially sucks. if it's one A, right? Yeah. Especially if you're one A. I mean, if you're a one A kid and you're you're great, tough luck, man. Like, there's a three A kid that is a qualifier for state, and he's getting looks to wrestle Division One somewhere over a one A kid who won state. You know? Yeah, it sucks. I feel guilty, or I guess not guilty, but I like feel bad sometimes because it's great for the elite kids that are like, like going to be Division One, like the club mm-hmm. system is the way to do it. But then, like the kids that just like it, it's not conducive to getting new wrestlers out right. because like the kids that like start out in like seventh grade it's like dude they're they're just gonna get wrecked you know mm-hmm. and if they don't have like a, a similar league like the public school league and if that starts to go away and it's all privatized it's gonna be really hard to get like new people involved you know so as a club owner um like what is your experience dealing with parents um I guess I'm kind of asking for myself because, like, I've started just doing some baseball lessons and getting involved with the club. Um, that I would say, like, for the areas, I think it's a pretty elite club. Um, but, yeah, I guess what are your experiences with parents? And, like, do you try to keep parents, like, away from the kids while we're doing stuff? Or, like, you know, yeah. as, you know, I guess what are your thoughts? So, like, growing up, I wrestled for um, – a. Re- it, it was, like, honestly probably the – premier club in the united states it was called team overtime and in, in uh chicago and parents like they never even stepped foot in the room like never watched practice it was like drop them off and leave and like the club was awesome and i liked a lot of what they did i've taken a lot to what i do now but um i didn't really like it because wrestling for me i grew such a great bond with my dad through wrestling so i've tried to mix it a little bit so like i have an area I mean, obviously, I know most people are just listening to the podcast, but I'm sitting here now. But I have an area where the parents sit up top and they can view practice, but they're not a part of practice, yeah. you know, because I still want the family to be like involved and like I want the dad to come watch and the mom or whatever. And then they can talk about it in the car ride and everything else. But during practice, like that hour and a half, it's like they got to be zoned in on what I'm telling them and not worried about mom and dad, you know. Yeah. So I try to do, like a mix of letting the parents be involved, but also like there's a time and place when I be quiet you know yeah you think some parents get too involved have you experienced anything with that lately not really like i've been fortunate i've been i've had like really great parents i've had some like instance you know i've been doing it for three years now like but it's very very small but like i see other clubs that and i think it's just how you communicate with your parents like they kind of just know my expectations so i don't have to deal with things you know but i see other clubs where it's like their parents are out of control or and 
And I think that's probably the coach failing on his end to relay like what he's about and what the club's about and what the boundaries. Yeah. You know, and I've had like one-on-ones with parents and like, not like gotten on them, but like, you know, they respect me enough to kind of ask me like how they should be doing things. And I give them my opinion and, you know, I don't try to be like, I know what's best, but like, I just say like, I've had these experiences where I'm coming from. I think this is what's best. And for the most part, they all trust me. And, you know, Cade, you'll find the parents need to trust you. Mm-hmm. And once you get the parents to trust you, then it's like they'll just hand their kid over to you and be like, train them and do what you – that's where I'm at now, so I'm pretty blessed. Okay. Um, what is in your your wrestling days or your coaching days, what is the most insane thing you've ever seen a parent do um, at a tournament? Oh, dude, I've, I mean, I've seen a lot of, like, dads physically abuse their kids at tournaments. <laughs> I'm laughing. It's not funny. It's not funny. But like in the wrestling world, it's more common than you would think. Like the parents yeah, but I mean, win more than the kids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My dad's like backhanded me in the chest or whatever, but like it's beyond that. Like it's it's to the point where it's like not funny, you know. Yeah. And then just like cutting weight. Like you shouldn't be cutting. Seeing like, like little kids cut too much weight, like just like oh man, it makes me sick to my stomach, you know. So. Those are two really bad ones. And then, you know, there's always – Illinois is a pretty rowdy state for wrestling. You get into Chicago. So, there's always – I've seen, like, parents fight each other and cops be called. And, you know, I've had parents yell at me and then I want to get back at them, but I don't. But, yeah, there's some there's some psycho parents out there for sure. Well, wrestling's a passionate sport. It's so passionate. I mean, that's the only sport where it's like you're watching another man versus another man or a woman versus a woman or whatever, and they are – just trying to physically dominate the other individual and when you see like whoever like your kid or your 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 kid that you're coaching or whatever losing you you can't help but like get this because you want to do something about it in your gut you're like no like that's (laughs) that's my kid or whatever like some of these parents just cannot filter their emotions and i don't know why but i've been seeing the spencer lee mom video like oh, circulating on twitter glass, where she's like yeah. breaks her glasses and she's like physically just freaking out i like, felt that like oh no it sucks like, like coaching like, a kid and you're sitting in his corner and you want him to do something and you've done it a million times trying to like relate to him to do it and he won't do it and you just like get this fire it's that's oh it's such a tough feeling yeah you know what's frustrating for me is like there's dads that wrestled like non-competitively or like we're jv level or <laughs> And they're just like, get up, get, get up. And, you know, and then, like, sometimes I want to tell, like, a dad, like, hey, go down the mat, like, see if you can get away from me. Like, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, that's what really frustrates me is, like, when I I know a kid fought his butt off and I and a parent's, like, getting on them and it's like, dude, this, this shit's not easy. Like, <laughs> they do not understand one bit. And it's like, you don't, don't know what it's like. It's You can't just get up. Like, just get up. You can't. And as many times you're not, you don't say know it, it's not going to help. Yeah, like, like get down, like you know, where a kid's like cutting a little bit of weight, and the parents are like, make it like, dude, it's not easy. Like, you know, a dad's being a prick. I would love to see parents cut weight with their kids. Well, and that's what I'm gonna do with Dre. Like, you know, and my dad did that with me. Like, when I was cutting weight, like the whole family was like, you know, not cutting weight, but like they were eating what I was eating. At least when I was around, you know. And And I'm gonna do that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely all for. Um, like if your kid is going to wrestle, just a quick tip, like he's going to have to maintain his weight, make sure that you are somewhat educated when it comes to nutrition, because he's going to have to maintain his weight. There's good ways to cut weight and there's bad ways to cut weight. And a lot of people do it the wrong way because they're uninformed. So if your kid's going to get into the sport, do your best to help him out with meals and whatnot, what he can eat, what he shouldn't eat. And, um, don't let him freaking starve himself because then he's going to not perform his wrestling matches anyway. So that's and if your kid's under like 10 old and you have a coach telling you that he needs to cut five or six pounds like leave that coach like he's a moron yeah you know like really if you're under 10 like you should not be cutting more than four five pounds tops you know like if you if you gotta like not eat dinner one night that's all right but if you gotta actually like cut weight when you're that young don't do it man (laughs) i was the kid that like they were like just Eat a salad tonight. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of cutting weight makes you think like you're miserable. Oh, I, oh yeah. I know. The one time I was like, it was Bantam State, and I was like, I want to go 79 pounds, which is just, I was a fat kid, man. But uh, 
they were like, you're going to have to cut weight. And I was like, no, I can make it. And they're like, you're not going to cut weight. So I ate like fine and cut any weight, got in there, weighed 78.9 to begin with, but I didn't register at 79. I was pissed. <laughs> well, and you just lose weight throughout the season, obviously. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Um, one thing we want to talk about too is the world, well, not worldwide, but I mean, nationwide, like referee shortage. So I, it's insane how many people do not want to ref. And obviously like the prime culprit is parents. Is there any, any remedy for trying to get, I guess, incentives for people to want to ref? And is there anything we can do to stop parents from being so mean to refs? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I'm the right guy to talk to you about this. Cause I'm pretty hard on the refs. <laughs> <laughs> dude seriously i looked it i looked it up today so in the illinois high school association lost more than 2700 officials between 2016 and 2022 and for like every 10 officials that quit maybe one or two were coming in and it's just like damn what are we gonna do like are we gonna get robo homes like well i think it's like i mean or obviously covid yeah no 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 covid but i'm saying like yes parents but our referees making uh, is whatever hourly rate that they right. should be. You know, is that yeah. is it too standard? Yeah. That's what I was. That's what I was about to say, Cade. Like, I'm a big proponent for like these tournament, like wrestling tournament directors. Like, you, you need to make like they're making good money. It's like you need yeah. to pay, make sure the refs are getting paid. Like, mm-hmm. pay them enough that I can scream at them. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. <laughs> it makes them worth the time. Like, it's yeah. like, all right, and you don't yeah. feel bad for screaming at them, right? If a guy yeah. gives five bucks or something like that, you're like, oh. but it's. It's frustrating for me because I know some of these terms, like, they are paying the rest good. And it's like, and dude, suck. you're, yeah, it's like, you should know, like, know the rules, man. Like, you're robbing this tournament because you don't know the, like, you don't know how to ref. And, like, you're just collecting a check. And especially wrestling, it, like, I can get harmed because it's like, dude, you can get kids hurt if right. you don't understand. Like, like it's a serious thing. Like, you have to know when to stop matches and wh- what's illegal and what's not and stuff, you know? That's what's tough. Like eighty percent of the refs right now that, and this is this is another statistic. Eighty percent of the refs that are, um, like have chosen to go in that field, whatever, they're quitting after two years. So you have a lot of un like educated referees that don't necessarily know like all the ins and outs of the sport, and it just makes it tough. And the prime culprit is parents, and maybe maybe you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably part of the. I'm probably part. I mean, I, I will say, like, I've gotten a lot better, and I don't, like, nitpick. Like, I pick and choose when I'm going to fight. Yeah. Like, even if it's a bad call, if we're at, like, a little tournament and it's just, like, not a big – like, I just – I've been letting a lot of things go. Yeah. I pick my battles now. Yeah. But, yeah, there's some things where it's, like, no, I'm going to fight him over this. Yeah. Like, well, I'm guilty care. of it, too. I don't care about I, the sure. Sometimes, like, I just think it's funny. I'm like, oh, it's horseshit. Like, even though it's, like, not that big of a deal. Just, like, <laughs> so you're the reason that yeah, I'm yelling about some shit that you don't even care about. I'm not going to parent, but I'm, I'm a problem. I know that. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's like, what do you do? You just, it's emotional setting. And it's just a tough job to have. I mean, it's like being a 911 operator, man. No one really wants to do it. It's one of the things. <laughs> it's not it's ideal. It's insane comparison. Yeah, it's not- <laughs> I wouldn't want to do either one. Well, that, I mean- Refereeing a kids tournament, running into a fire. No, 911 operator. Oh, operator, yeah. sorry. Come on. Hey, uh, who's 5'7 and can disappear at any time? <laughs> Reed. All right, Josh, thanks for coming on, buddy. Um, we lost him. Technical difficulties. I'll see you later, man. Thanks for taking the trip around Saturday. Uh, see you guys. Deuces. <laughs>